Hey, mother. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to another edition of Yippie Kaye Mother Podcast. I'm Ralph Quattrucci. I'm Sean Paul Murphy. I'm Debbie Murphy. I'm Michelle Wojo Wojcikowski. I'm Brad Barrowi. I'm John Quattrucci. <laughs> and I'm Drew Gould. John, you're such an actor. I mentioned cold. Look at you. Ring wow. the bell. Scene. <laughs> All right, everybody. How's, how's everybody's week? Oh, my God. Oh, if I was any better, yeah, I'd be twins. Yeah, feeling good? What's that? If I was any better, I'd be twins. Oh, okay. Well, we got a good show today. We we'll, won't talk about Fantastic. the movie yet, but what we'll talk about is what did you watch this week? Let's start with Drew. Okay. <laughs> what not to watch? Go ahead, Drew. <laughs> I watched, actually, I watched and read a bunch of good stuff this week. Some of it I'm not going to talk about yet because I haven't finished watching full seasons of Evil and The Boys. Um, I wanted to watch Boys in the Band, uh, which you guys talked about last week, but I mixed it up with Boys from Brazil and the oh. band played on, so I don't think I watched the right one. And The Boys. But actually, I watched something that uh, is a show that I've been watching that's uh, – until this last episode, I thought it was good, but the, this new episode was really just remarkable and, and kind of overwhelming. Uh, Lovecraft Country. Mm. Heard so much it's, about that. Yeah, it's really it's the second HBO series in a year that uh, the story uh, pivots on the 1921 Tulsa massacre. Oh wow! And mm. in Watchmen, that is a sort of triggering event for the the way that the story goes and the the shape of the families of the the people affected by it. In Lovecraft Country, this episode called Rewind 1921, it's the penultimate episode, so you know it's HBO, it may be more exciting than the finale episode. Um, the uh, main characters actually go back in time to Tulsa in 1921 because they need to retrieve something, but they also know that's when their entire family dies. And it wow. was just incredible, incredible stuff. It was, it was a classic sort of structure of their episodes, which is a little too much exposition and a little too much place setting. It's not bad. It's not boring, but you're kind of like, okay, I get this. And why are we having so many conversations explaining things? And then it just rips your heart out. And it was really, really incredible. So I, I really like the book by this point, the, uh, the series is quite different than the book and it is also very good. So uh, that's what really got me. Lovecraft uh, season one, episode nine, uh, rewind 1921 really just kind of blew me away. Is that and you said is that the is that the last one or is there is there ten? There's one left. There's okay, 10, so it's ten episodes. Yep. Oh, good. Uh, Wojo, Brad. We wa- we watched a lot of things, but um, I'm going to mention two because I'm going to do it really fast. Um, Linda and the Mockingbirds. We watched a documentary that's coming out. I don't care. Um, <laughs> Obviously, that's hitting um, on the twentieth. And it's about Linda Ronstadt and a trip that she took in 2019 with a group of kids. And I can't say it in Spanish, but it means the Mockingbirds. Um, And it's a a group of kids that she has been a patron to their cultural center. And they've learned all these, uh, you know, true Mexican culture. Um, And even though they are Mexican-Americans, a lot of them haven't been to Mexico ever. So they went, it's great. it's, It's really good. Okay, but... Then the other thing we watched um, was The Invisible Man, the new one. The new one? Mm. And I'm always apprehensive about watching newer horror movies because sometimes they're, I I just don't care for them as much. Or suspense movies, you know? I wouldn't call this horror, I guess. I guess thriller, suspense, yeah. yeah. Um, It was phenomenal. It was really, really good. Like, I, we both were, even at the end, you know, when you can watch it all and it's been suspenseful and then the end is really good. And Elizabeth Moss is just, she knocks it out of the park. It, it was really well done. So Yeah, they did a great job updating that idea with this one. Because there's been a, like Hollow Man came out a few years ago with Kevin yeah. Bacon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and they did it, they twisted. Man. What's that? Memoirs of an Invisible Man with Chevy yeah. Chase. Oh, that's the Chevy Chase one, right? <laughs> um, yeah. And I don't know. I just can't see the Invisible Man. Oh, <laughs> oh man! By the way, Wojo, you uh, was this all this whole week about Linda Ronstadt? Tell us a little bit what happened. Can you talk oh, about? Um, yeah, because the story hits tomorrow, so you're not going to get this posted tonight. So no, no, I will not. I I interviewed Linda Ronstadt last Friday. Oh. Um, thank you. Um, Welcome. For a PBS website called Next Avenue. 
And I talked with her about the documentary that I said we watched. And I talked with her about a lot of things. Um, uh, you know, she talked a bit about um, how uh, Mexican music and Mexican culture is kind of dismissed in the United States, even though Mexican food is considered one of the most popular and growing food, cultural food types. Um, you know, she, she was just talking a lot and she talked about her family and really, really good. And I made her laugh, which was fun. Um, but, but yeah. Good. How old is she now? Um, she's like 75. Yeah. Excellent. Well, it went well then. That's great. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, John, what about you? What'd you watch? Well, after watching the hospital in Clute, Oh, my God. I decided to watch something a little more upbeat, so I, I went with your recommendation of uh, Devil All the Time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not a John Q movie. That was, <laughs> well, first of all. But it was good, though. You, you don't walk out of the theater going, <laughs> the, the, acting, the acting was great. Right? Nobody said it was an uplifting movie. The story kept you in it, but right. it was in color. All I know is for... 45 minutes after the movie, I, it was still in my head. It was yeah. so disturbing. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I thought it would make me feel better based on your recommendations, but it only made me feel worse. I never so the next that. day, I watched Singing in the Rain again. Yeah. <laughs> I see, I know. After what, you t- after what you said, the last podcast, you said, I only go to movies to be happy when I get out. That was not one I'd recommend. That wasn't me. just not happy. <laughs> I mean, that was like... Well, you know what? It's brutal. Yeah, it's brutal. But it's, it's if so you haven't smart. seen it and you're yeah. depressed, do not watch this yeah. movie. It's so <laughs> smart. Though. It's you know, disturbing. It is disturbing. You know what's, really, you know what's really funny? Uh, I was mentioned earlier in the podcast. The Invisible Man. That's a laugh a minute. That's a really lighthearted <laughs> yeah. comedy about abusive marriage. And well, that's why he brought up Chevy Chase's don't, version. Don't watch it, John. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, you're like, more disturbing than this one. I yeah. mean, oh my god. Well, right. well, but you watched it, and well, I have to say the story kept me in it. But it was yeah. uh, my wife and I watched it, and I I didn't know. I only knew a little bit about it, and we, we were over. She's like, I can't believe, I can't believe this movie. I can't yeah. believe we watched this movie. <laughs> Because she knows that's not my cup of tea. Yeah, but it was but good. I, I thought it. the performances were great. I yeah. mean, Tom Holland was, was really good in that movie. Well, Jason Clark, is that his name? Yeah. The guy yeah. playing the photographer? Yeah. yeah. That's talking They're about all evil. Good. They're all yeah. But it was all I right. it out of my head. Well, well that's not a, is that a recommendation or not? Uh, if if uh, Yeah, as long as you're in a good frame of mind. When you're okay. <laughs> all right. But I, I see where you're coming from with that because years ago, we watched Leaving Las Vegas with Nicolas Cage. Oh, uh, yeah. Fabulous movie, but at one point, and and this was back when the there were still VCR tapes. <laughs> we were we were both looking at it because it felt like you know half an hour had passed and it had been five minutes. I mean, that's a movie. When we were done, when that movie was done, I turned to Brad. We were off that week, and I said, "You need to go get something funny for us to." Watch. Yeah. <laughs> well, that movie, you walk out feeling hungover, based well, on everything he does. Uh, it, and just... it was exhausting. It was yeah. exhausting. He came home with Beavis and Butthead to America. So that's what... Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I, I understand. That is a feel-good movie. Sir, you know? All right. Well, happy Sean and Debbie. Happy this week? What'd you watch? Um, yeah, well, we watched... Um, we binge-watched American Playboy on um, Prime. What is that? The Life of Hugh Hefner. Yeah. Oh, that's uplifting. Yeah. I watch it. It's so good. Really? Yeah. Well, it's, it was also helped produce by Playboy. So oh. you can imagine it's a little self-serving. Of course. I mean. Playboy gave us all, all of our civil rights, the sexual revolution. Yeah. You know. Liberating they, females. They liberated Bravo. females. They didn't objectify them. And, um, no. you know, it, you know, I was so glad that. I was finally able to do it, but it was, it was actually old home week for me because I used to work in advertising on the Playboy account. Oh, really? So so it was kind of fun to um, look at the way they um, glorify, you know, it's like Hugh Hefner didn't want to sleep with all those women, Mm. but someone had to embody the Playboy mystique. Oh, I thought you said someone had to do it. I thought you were going to say someone had to do it. I met a guy. That's at one point. That's what he says. Someone has to embody. Did you ever meet him? No, but I'll tell you what, I met, did meet one of the playmates of the month, 
and I got a nice signed autograph picture from her and everything. Yeah. And I said, you know, so I have a chance to hang with her a bit. And I'm like, so um, how is it being playmate of the month? She goes, you know, because it's like a whole year you go and do stuff. And it's like, she's like, well, I just can't wait for this to get over so I can go back to my career. And I go, oh, what's your career? She goes, I'm a waitress. <laughs> well, Apparently the, uh, she was quite a famous um, playmate of the month, but oh. um, I didn't, um, you know, I didn't follow it. Well, because <laughs> you were into her mind. I, exactly. You just read her for the article. in the food she was serving. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'm not uh, interested in her if she was a waitress. On <laughs> one of the cruises I went on, I met a guy who had an IMDb listing because he was in the show Intervention, and uh-huh. he was one of the interventionees, whatever they call it. <laughs> yes. And oh, he was a butler. True. He was an ex-butler of Hugh Hefner. Oh, really? Oh, my and, gosh. And, and he told me some stories that, and not sexual it had nothing to do with him in the play. It had everything to do with the dirty cat he had to clean up after mm. and just all the like behind the scenes had nothing to do with the. You mean you literally, you mean literally a dirty cat. That's like not a literally anymore. he had to pick up his dirty cat okay. shit and, and, and all these other things that had nothing to do with this naked playboy model. Start waving my hands. Uh, <laughs> why are you waving your hands? Well, I just didn't know where you were going with that for a second. No. Well, so. I'm just saying. So anyway, that's a little side story. All <laughs> right, I, I was going to one thing, one thing yeah. that he told you. I just said, well, he said about the cat. Yeah. The cat think- pooped everywhere and this guy had to clean it up. You have to, didn't give it, you know, he didn't give a shit about the cat shitting everywhere and he had to constantly trail the cat and pick him up. I'm sure there was other stuff that I just and can't thank talk you, about. our nine viewers who have never I'll do it. I'll down. do it on the, the Patreon version. I'll do it on the Patreon right, version, which I might, edit, I might edit it in the nine minutes a minute ago. No one heard it. No big deal. All right. Well, now it's my turn. Uh, I was going to recommend something. I'll do that next week that I really like, but I, I have to, since I was stuck in the 70s, I had to test the laser player I had, and I put the deep in. Oh, Jacqueline Bissett. Oh. 1977. Oh, Nick Nolte, Jacqueline Bissett, oh. Robert Shaw coming off of Jaws. Oh. I have to say, uh, oh, it's dated, boy. It's dated. <laughs> um, I still loved it, except it's amazing how much footage is shot underwater where nobody's saying anything. It's like 45% or maybe more than that, maybe 60% underwater scenes wow. that nobody said anything. And literally, like, Robert Shaw would have his mask on and be screaming <laughs> At Nick, Nol- Nick Nolte's, right? So all this technology that they've come up with where people can speak yeah. underwater in movies, mm-hmm. they didn't have any of that then. Right. And yes, Jacqueline Bissett's wet t-shirt oh, is, is everything movie. that they <laughs> said it is. It is. And uh, uh, John Peters, I guess he produced it, said that t-shirt made him a lot of money. <laughs> so Good character. And they weren't going to use her. They didn't want to use Robert Shaw because he just came off Jaws. And Who did they want to use instead of her? Um, there was a bunch of people they were bringing in, but she was always the one that they – ended up going to so I, th- I think they wanted to use linda ronsat <laughs> I, yeah, I was gonna say that drew i can't believe you said it he oh. beat him to the punch <laughs> all right well, anyway it was a great it's a great uh it was fun to watch that but boy it is dated dated in the sense that robert shaw was screaming his line and not like clute clute wasn't dated not oh, at all no. and not and the way they just like like he would always like jacqueline Bissett was an equal to nick nolte swimming and all that stuff oh yeah except when they were trying to come up with how they're going to find the treasure you go come here boy I want to talk to you about what's going on. Girls, sit over there and, you know, and just so dated. Unbelievable. Okay. And Lou Gossett Jr. is in there as well, and he gets his head ripped off by some giant eel. That was the big thing. It was a giant eel. <laughs> they only called it a big eel. But, all right, so today's movie's brought by Drew. I kind of teased it a little bit, but this show is going to be sweeted, I think, maybe later. We'll yeah. speed this one up. <laughs> that's, that's, that's really a, a choice of the people out there. If they want okay, to what do we got? What would you bring? <laughs> So I'm I uh, I picked a movie to um, I have not had a problem with the tone of our last choices, um, but it has been a little bit on the dark side. It's left some people uh, sad or chilled. And so I said I'm going to come up with a movie that's a little more joyful. And so I selected Be Kind Rewind from 2007. That is uh, directed by Michel Gondry. Uh, he had just won an Oscar for co-writing the movie that he directed, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And then he did another movie called The Science of Sleep. And then he did this movie, which is a lot of things. One of them is is that it's just a really joyful movie. And so if you want to watch the trailer and get a sense of it, uh, then we can talk about it. Oh, that was a good uh, way to throw to the trailer. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, rewound this tape all over and it's blank. Really? 
This video don't work. Yours looks like this. Look, look, look. All the tapes are blank. It's the TV, Mike. Show me how... Why is it doing that? Does that happen when you do it? Uh-oh. What is wrong with you? Why is it doing that when you do that? You're magnetized. You erased these tapes. It's you. You gotta find new tapes. I got a better idea. Follow me. When you're walking down the street yeah. and you see a little ghost, what? what you gonna do about Ghostbusters? What? What? What is that? That's the Ghostbusters theme song. No. I'm pretty sure it is. There's something strange. Stay where you are. I'm on my way. Then I got slime. That wasn't bad. What else y'all got? I will shoot you, and I know robot karate. Nothing from nothing, leave nothing. These are not just simple remakes. What's happening to our cars? Our version is better. Our version is only 20 minutes. You gotta have something. We're celebrities now. People recognize me in the street. Going for the kids. Go now. Kids are now. Why do I have to kiss Wilson? You have to keep her from blowing your I'm head off. Amateurs. People want to see these movies. I have a warrant to destroy all your tapes. The FBI warning, it's at the beginning of the tape. But we erased that. Damn, they're good. They can shoot any style. You name it, we shoot it. Be kind, rewind videos a la carte. Nothing from nothing beats nothing. With heart and soul. Driving this day. Okay! This is not the spot. Are you? Are you dead? Knock it off! Don't you talk to me like that! Go like the wing run! Run, okay! Don't All right. That was a that was a good trailer, and it it wasn't four minutes that that felt like eleven. So nope. that's a nice <laughs> evolution of movie advertising, which is also nice. And um, before I get into the movie, um, I noticed something when I watched it last night with my wife. I had not, as I said last week, I have not seen the movie in a long time, and I was happy to say it really held up for me. But um, at the beginning of the movie on uh, Amazon, it it tells you you know that it's got language or whatever. And one of the things it has is blackface. And I'm like, really? There's blackface in the movie? And then a few minutes into the movie, there's a, a disguise where um, Jack Black dresses up like a fence so he can raid the power plant. And he has mm-hmm. on what looks like blackface. And I was like, oh, that's not, I mean, that's not really blackface. That's ridiculous. So um, I wrote in my notes, that ridiculous fence disguise, not blackface, Amazon. Then, in all caps, I wrote, oh, never mind, Jack Black really does want to <laughs> 20 minutes before the end. So, yes, he did, in fact, wear blackface, but he also was clearly shamed, and right. uh, the reaction was that that is not appropriate, right. um, which I thought Well, was- and that scene, you know, Danny Glover takes him outside, and you can see Danny Glover's having a conversation about why it's inappropriate. I mean, right. it's, it's, it, and that was, what, 2000, when this movie came out, 2008? 2007. <clears throat> yeah, so, and I, but Danny Glover's always been kind of, you know, ahead of the head of the curve in some of the, like Lethal Weapon, he was all over the uh, South Africa stuff. Mm-hmm. Lethal Weapon too. so go ahead. Yes. I'm sorry. Well, yes. I have a question about this, and it is a question I actually wondered about. Would you say Jack Black, not Jack, yeah, did he wear blackface or did his character? Well, his character what? wore blackface, but the actor wore blackface to portray the role. The real thing about that to me was that this this movie is very childlike in its in its aesthetic, and Jack Black didn't wear blackface because he had something to say positively or negatively. He wore blackface yeah. because he spends the whole movie like a kid. Well, he's also he thinks he's a great actor. And he, he wants to be the lead in every show. He wants to be role. right. But then he played Miss Daisy. Right. As you said, Danny Glover, who I feel is pretty authoritative, explains yeah. to him, which we don't have to see the whole scene or anything. Right. Him, That's not okay. Yeah. And then, there's, then you don't see it again. There's no question. Well, right. and he does it. I don't know if you, that scene is he does it. We're watching them from inside the building. We don't know what he's saying to him, but we get what he's saying to him. Right. Exactly. Exactly, and and I just think that's way ahead of its time. I mean, it's it's is pretty wild. Anyway, I, that, that scene impressed me quite a bit. 
Well, I think that, um, as the whole movie did, but I guess I just but gave the whole away group more. was kind of dismissive dismissive of him when he came out. They're like, no, no, no. That, yeah. you, you but can't. he said, "I'm fat." Yeah, yeah. Well, that was Fats the Waller joke. was fat. That was the joke. I mean, <laughs> it's funny. It's a it's yeah. a like. I mean, it's it's a funny and thing. flash forward. He was in a movie where Robert Downey Jr. went total blackface, total mm-hmm. black everything yeah. for Tropic Thunder. Actually, Robert Downey Jr. didn't wear blackface. Kirk Lazarus. <laughs> Thank you, the character, and he was brilliant. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so this uh, this movie, um, I I really enjoyed it when it first came out. I'm glad to say I still really enjoyed it. Um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is a movie that I would be happy to bring to the podcast another time. It's a wonderful movie. If anybody has any issues with Jim Carrey, dramatic actor, that's the one that will surely get you over that hump. Uh, I did not like Science of Sleep, which was um, Michel Gondry's follow-up to this movie, um, although it was fully his aesthetic and everything. But then this movie is really kind of about how he makes movies. And um, it's funny because you talk all the time about modern filmmaking and it's really refreshing when somebody makes an action movie that has in-camera effects or there's an action scene where John Wick or uh, Atomic Blonde or somebody has a fight and they don't cut 14 times in two seconds. And everything in this movie is in camera. And it looks like it's in camera and it's charming. And the best part is that it works. I mean, the very first part of the movie, you don't know what you're watching it, but you're basically watching the Fats Waller movie that they make at the end. Right. The opening credits, and it's the black and white, and you see the cardboard cars, the people mm-hmm. walking them by, and the kids playing jazz and all that kind of stuff. And then it just kind of takes off from there. And um, it's a movie that I think it could have gone wrong in a lot of different ways. Uh, I also, like, I like Wes Anderson a lot, but I, I also think a lot of people find him precious. And I would understand if people weren't really interested in the Wes Anderson aesthetic, which is very distinct and everything. This is almost, it's too raw and too real. Like you could say, I don't like it, but it it feels like, like real people doing a real thing. And I'll talk later about the end of the movie and why it especially worked for me now, especially these days. But uh, it was really just, it's just a beautiful, sweet movie uh, that is, everybody is very relatable and, uh, and it's really funny. I, uh, I'm I'm just going to jump in because the quirkiness, some of the things that were, you know, like the whole <clears throat> Jack Black character is he's always out there. And the scene, the little things that happen, like when he gets magnetized and then he walks out and the pole, the telephone pole, he gets yep. stuck to the telephone pole. And then the little thing they did is he's walking by the fence. The fence does this little kind of curl because it's mm-hmm. mag- and it sucks him into the fence. Yep. And those are just throwaway things that nobody ever talked about later. It just, once we realize he's magnetized, then all that stuff made sense. Mm-hmm. And I just found it completely charming and quirky as hell. That, especially that scene you're talking about the fence where he builds the costume so they yeah. can freeze on the fence. And the <laughs> cops don't see fun. them because they look like the fence. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's brilliant it's stuff. Dumb, it's a dumb joke, and it's so perfect. Yeah. And, and even the way they shot through the fan and you know, to make the stuff look like mm-hmm. old black and white. I know, mm-hmm. believe me. In reality, you can't pull all the stuff off that they pulled in the time that right. they had. We get it. I mean, that's why you have to throw your, your suspension of disbelief has to be super strong. Sure. But boy, oh boy, you dropped me a pharaoh in the middle of this thing with yeah, her sensibilities. It's a very random cast. Danny Glover uh, with his, I mean, just. Jack Black's character is so confident and it makes him very unlikely. Clueless or confident? Both. Yeah. He's very confident. But the fact is, he says, we can do this. And he doesn't think that we can do this means that you're going to think you're watching Ghostbusters. You're going to think <laughs> you're watching better than Ghostbusters because we made it. And that actually connects with people. Mm-hmm. That actually makes people line up around the block. And that actually changes. It doesn't change what ultimately happens to the store or anything, but it, it makes people's lives better in the story. And it's, yeah. that's, that's, very, that's very sweet and, and, and human. And that's not really in style in a lot of modern movies, I think. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? We had watched this movie um, whenever it was released on whatever medium it was released on. I'm guessing it was it was DVD. Um, and when we watched it back then, I thought it was okay. When we watched it this weekend, <coughs> I loved it. So it's funny how different phases, different times in your life, you either like something more or you like something less for no particular reason. But I just I couldn't stop laughing when he was going like he had the Ghostbusters thing. <laughs> <laughs> He's going, 
and don't walk. Here come the ghosts. And then when they had the garland on the end of the stuff to make, I mean, it was just, it, it, it reminded me of what would have happened in my neighborhood if we had had video cameras when we were, you know, teenagers. I mean, literally our, you know, that's exactly a, a friend of mine, um, started writing a soap opera in a, um, he started writing it in a, one of those marble composition books. And he used all the names of everyone that we hung around with. And that was, you know, and, and people would pass this around. We had people who hated reading, who were reading Jim's update on, you know, the soap opera. And it just reminded me of the kind of things that, you know, cause like you said, he, he is really childlike and, and it is really funny and it shows how, you know, people just like the stuff that was offbeat. They thought it was hilarious. I thought some of the stuff they were doing was hilarious. Well, it's obviously made by someone who loves movies, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And those scenes where they do 2001, they get the guy spinning in the circle and just the inventive things they came up with. Mm-hmm. And if you know anything about it, you're like, ah, that's awesome what they're doing right there. And it's like the fan to make it look like old black and white stutters. Just brilliant stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all those people, most of those people were extras. Most of those people that came in that were, were neighborhood people, people from the neighborhood mm-hmm. who we used as extras um, to fill out the cast. And it's just, it was really, it was really quite, quite nice. Mm-hmm. Sean, what did you think? Well, can I read? And Debbie, I'm sorry, Sean okay. and Debbie. Yeah. Let me oh, not woe you on Brad. Brad's just a. All right. You know, always got to call out when I make a mistake. You always that's do just that. a window. I mean, what? They what usually, is this? I usually, I think they. I think together. that's, 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 that's what I think. I'm just a cardboard cutout for the movie. Yeah, that's not right. <laughs> okay. Sean well, and I'm Debbie. I'm going to do what we, we normally do earlier. I'm going to read the Ebert review. Oh. Not the whole review. Yeah, I'm just going to read the first um, line and first paragraph. And uh, he gave it uh, two and a half stars. What? Whimsy, noun, playfully quaint or fanciful behavior or humor. Michael Gondry's Be Be Kind, Rewind is whimsy with a capital W. No, it's whimsy in all caps. Make it all caps, italic, boldface. Oh, never mind. I'm getting too whimsical. Maybe Gondry does too. You'll have to decide for yourself. This is a movie that takes place in no possible world, which may be a shame if not for the movie, then all pop, then for possible worlds. And um, I got it. Well, I'll let that well, go. I, you know, Drew, um, I was really looking forward to watching this movie. I realized that, man, Drew's got to come up with a great movie. And as we're watching it, here comes the butt. <laughs> what? what is this movie this is like oh spitfire grill all over for me oh come on come yeah on. it was it was hard to get through. Yeah. Hey, and it was jam. like and it was like and i and i gotta remember the title and i remember i gotta be gentle about this because be kind i gotta be kind but i've read so many screenplays you know sean sean's a screenwriter and I, and I, other and too. other people call and they say, Oh, I want to be a screenwriter. And he's so busy. He's working and screenwriting and selling his book and yada, everything, you know. And I'm, I've got a five year old that I'm um, teaching kindergarten. I got to get through kindergarten again at my age at 65. That's really hard. <laughs> but um, basically, you know, it, it was just sophomoric. And to me, it was sophomoric, you know, all the way through it because. I've read so many screenplays that are like, you know, what, what makes this movie get done when there's so many movies like this movie that don't, you know, or that are, you know, better screenplays and they, they make a movie, they physically actually make it. And I think this was probably some kind of like a fun thing to do for people. Maybe it was therapeutic for them to do this movie, but, you know, we had to pay five dollars for it. Uh, I think it was only three ninety nine. No, you told me it was five. Well, you was you like you owe us you owe us for Spitfire Grill, so we're all. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I have a question, honestly. I have a question. You what owe us for being, flute, for a hospital, for what does being yeah. sixty five and and getting your kid through kindergarten have to do with? whether the movie was good or not. Is it just your head isn't right for what's No, the, no, no. It's I'm like, just we're curious. Busy. We're busy. And <clears throat> usually 
um, <clears throat> pardon me, a uh, little bit of the co- no, no COVID here. Oh my God. But, uh, <laughs> 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 uh, no, it's just, um, you know, it reminds me back in the seventh grade guys would say, Oh, I saw this great movie and this one, this guy got knocked off. And you know what I mean? It was just that enthusiasm childlike um, thing. And, um, you know, I used to babysit and hear all that. They would tell you what movie was they watched or anything. And it was just sort of, I don't know, to me, uh, sophomoric, you know. Are you saying you want to babysit Drew? I don't listen. I don't disagree with Ebert saying it was whimsical. It was definitely whimsical. But anyway, Sean, what are you? And then we'll get to John because John's been. Okay, so um, we'll get to Brad. Then we'll get to John. Okay. Thank you, John. I'm sorry, Sorry, Brad. I know it's your podcast. I liked this movie more at the time. I don't know why this one slipped by without me seeing it because I like Michael Gondry. Oh, so you had never seen this? I had never seen it. Hmm. And um, to me, it what bothered me was like. There was like, in my opinion, some dramatic changes of tone and style that bothered me a bit. That's true. In the sense, like in the beginning, you know, um, Jack Black was mainly a, um, you know, I keep wanting to say Jack White because he was just on Saturday Night Live. You know, Jack Black was like a conspiracy theorist and this and that, and so concerned about the power plant. And then they like, I mean, that essentially sets up the whole story, and then they just forget about it. You know, now he just wants to be an actor. And it's like, maybe I'm asking too much of it. But this is the oldest plot in Hollywood, you know, saving the farm, you know, put on a show to save the farm. And um, I have no problem with it. And I enjoyed some of the movie stuff. But it's like, I didn't think that the Moe's death character, it like had this, um, I don't think it really showed that he had this tremendous need to do a movie, to be a filmmaker. I don't know. I just wanted more setup and consistency through the characters. It's interesting but, that you say that because to me, um, Jack Black is not only this conspiracy theorist and that sets up getting magnetized and all these things that you yeah. said. He's also really annoying. Yeah. And I would understand why people wouldn't want to spend time with him. And most stuff really keeps to himself and all these other things. And this, these, these events, like Jack Black doesn't talk about conspiracy stuff as much because to me, I'm watching and he's being drawn into this larger world. He's being drawn into this community. And most deaf can come out of his shell. Like everything that Jack Black suggests they should do to save the store, it's ridiculous and stupid. <laughs> but, and they do it and it actually kind of works. And most deaf says to him at the beginning, we can't do this because it's ridiculous and stupid. <laughs> then it works and he's like, oh, wait a minute. Like, can do this. And the whole movie, to me, it rides on that that wave. And if it doesn't connect with you, that I mean, I'm sorry that. Yeah, I mean, it just. But I, I, just, I understand your I understand your reaction to it in that level. But to me, the idea that he that we forgot what he was into, like there are movies that forget stuff. Like, um, I think, what was it? The second was it the Batman with the Penguin, where yeah. Christopher Walken's character is going to make a power plant and suck all the power of Gotham City, and he has a model and everything, and then you never hear it again. That was, <laughs> Hey, you forgot something in the movie. This was like Jack Black kind of left behind yeah. what kept him isolated mm-hmm. because they were doing something together. Which is again, that's not new. You're right. Put on a show to save the farm is an old story, but to me, this one, it was an old story well told, and that's why. Yeah. That's well, why. That's, I- well, that's the key. And I'll tell you, I did one of the worst piece of craps ever. You know, it wasn't really me, but <laughs> wait, should I bell that one? I did for the company Pure Flix. There was what is the it? Character had these plots that he had to fulfill. And, like, he had to save this girl's life. He had to take her into this dangerous town. And then he had to go out and get the doctor to bring her back to save the girl's life. But when it was rewritten by the director, he essentially forgot that. At the end of the movie, he, like, doesn't save the girl. He doesn't find a doctor. Instead, he has different adventures that don't rely to anything that happened in the first act whatsoever. So, What's the term, you magical whims? What is the term about magical or... Magical realism. Magical realism. I mean, doesn't that throw everything out the window? Like, you can do the power plant to get them magnetized. Okay, we don't need that anymore. We're done. Anyway. Well, no, I mean, usually in magical realism, it's somebody wants something, and, you know, their desire to make it so will make magical things happen. Like Jack Black. No, no, he didn't didn't desire to make movies. It would have been different. If he was saying, I really want to be a movie star, I'd be a great actor. 
And then the magical realism is this weird thing happens that allows him, that forces him. To well, become. I think he desired, I think he desired human contact. I think that he, he desired to save the, 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 the thrift yeah. store record store. And I'm not, and here's and then, the thing. I, it isn't that I didn't check, like check, the movie. check. All right. Well, okay. I, I, it isn't that I didn't like the movie. Uh, it's just that it didn't, it didn't really hit me hard enough. You, you know, go. I wish I could hate it. Cause I love, I love when I hate a movie cause that helps the podcast. Right. <laughs> I really want to know what Brad thinks. Okay. Well, if you have just a kind of a side note, if you want to watch something where they bring up something and then it means nothing in the end, watch lost. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Six years. Don't even, don't even bring that up. That's a very Six short years time. of that kind of crap. We were so bad. So, um, I had a lost party and we were talking about it for an hour afterwards. Distracting you. Um, I've never seen Lost. It's not purgatory. It's not. Don't trust watch. us. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. After the first season, anyway. it's not. They're not in purgatory. They're not in purgatory. They're liars, not, liars. <laughs> and the last, like. All right, all right. No loss. Hey, hey, just want to. I just want to build on that a little bit. Did you see the leftovers? Yeah. You know, by the same people. Every season of it was like completely different. And I thought the end episode was nice, but it didn't explain anything. No, fact, but and it was and it was glorious. shocking after lost. And it was and it only worked. If you yeah, forgot like half the stuff in my life gone. <laughs> and it's an amazing series. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I get it. It's frustrating, but oh my God, it was so but, good. Um, All right, Brad. I loved it. I hated it. So, I'm about to switch to John. You better hurry. No, I'm good. No. I'm talking. Let me talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Debbie, I, I kind of get where you're coming from, Debbie. I mean, it, it, I see why, I mean, I can see why some people would, would think that it's, uh, it's kind of a childish kind of, Silly, stupid movie. Says the guy who's wearing. Yes. <laughs> I am serious and don't call me Shirley. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's, that's kind of what they were going for. I mean, and it's, and that's, I, I did I didn't, I don't think there was any Oscar winning performances in this movie. I don't expect it to be. It's just, just a, it was just a fun, silly movie. I think that it was in, you know, like Michelle said, I think it's kind of like you think of your kid, you know, growing up in your neighborhood, you have a kid with a camera. I, I'd expect them to be doing this kind of stuff. Um, when you know when cameras are first coming out, the video cameras. But um, I mean, I enjoyed it. I thought it was just a, it was it was a nice break from reality, from flute, from <laughs> um, just a nice silly. <laughs> but it, but it was enjoyable. I mean, just watching them make the movies, it was just it was just hilarious. I mean, you know, that was my favorite part of the movie. Was that well, one. you know, did you watch the credits? Yeah. There yeah. was a whole website you could go see yeah. those all the, yeah, all the yeah. movies, yeah. Yeah. the Sweden movies. The yeah, Sweden, that was right. That was apparently right at the beginning of YouTube. So people actually really went out and Sweden a whole bunch of movies. <laughs> I like that term, Sweden. The, the director actually he Sweden a taxi driver and posted that on the. Oh website. my gosh, <laughs> that's hilarious! Every every single one of us that has mentioned positively or negatively the idea of that kid in the neighborhood with the camera. I mean, that is what's so relatable about the movie. I mean, I, I knew, I knew kids growing up that they did things and I was like, wow, this person is really talented. I never heard from them again, but some kids really, they, they did something and they, and it was joyful. And this is, it's basically a fairy tale. You know, it, it has magic in it. It has lots of elements of other movies that you've seen, the Goonies and other stuff. I actually looked in the movie and I think they sweeted uh, something like you, they show you more than 40 movies that you actually see at least a, a moment from. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. there are even more on the shelves. Right. When you see right. when the mm-hmm. shows up and the lawyers are there. And it's like the whole <laughs> I, I just, okay. John, I want to hear what John is saying. Cause there's some stuff that I thought was really funny. Go ahead, John. Well, let me start by saying, uh, I, what I liked about this movie was it was the first one in a while. I didn't weep un- uncontrollably <laughs> after it was over. <laughs> Me, I got to put that right up there. But, I, I got to say how sad that actually is. But okay, we'll no, talk about really that. It's really not later. sad. Thanks. You're sad. But anyway, maybe. Um, <laughs> so when I was in high school, me, uh, me and a couple of buddies, we made this uh, Tarzan movie with Super Eight, and it was it was this epic movie that took us nine months to shoot. So the hair, the hair length is different, but we had props and all this stuff. So the whole time I'm watching, I was thinking about that. But I think that I think the word. This was a cute movie. Um, the beginning of it was really strange because they were sitting around the table with the colanders on their head and they never <laughs> said anything about it. They just had them there. That, I thought so that the, was really the conspiracy. They don't and want before stuff he the got mag- Before he got magnetized, 
there were scenes in the uh, video store that uh, the screen kind of magnetized. Right. I was like, well, why are they doing that? And then he got magnetized later. I thought that was kind of strange. But I, and, and the question I have for Drew, Moss Def, who I liked in this, was he supposed to be mentally challenged? Because he definitely came across that way to me. He I, came across I, as no, he did. He came across as like slow. I don't. I don't think that anybody in this movie is supposed to actually be disabled. But I think they are read as childlike, and Jack Black and most F's characters are two kids doing silly things, and the adults in the movie have their own opinions of them. Like Mia Farrow and Danny Glover are not delighted that this is going on in their neighborhood because they're basically acting like kids. So I, I think uh, I, I read it the way that you, what you saw, and I read that as as basically it's it's the, the, they're the children. Yeah. Uh, because he definitely played it that way. I mean, Jack Black didn't quite play it that way. He played it more obnoxious, but Moss Def played it, like, so innocent, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and where uh, Danny Glover was kind of the farther figure for him. But I was just wondering about that. Um, I, I thought it was a really cute movie. I, I, I didn't find it, like, very – I didn't find it real funny. I, mm-hmm. In fact, the two scenes I laughed the most was, like, when they had the camo outfit on. I didn't know what the payoff was going to be for that when Jack Black had all the stuff on his face. And then that scene where the cops show up and they go right against the fence, that was hilarious. And the other one was, and it was just a quick scene, when they pretended to shoot the guy in the head and the blood spatter was a pizza, (laughs) that made me laugh out loud. I go, oh, my God, that was so funny. But it was more a movie like, you know, everyone's using the word charming and whimsical. I smiled at it. And I thought the ending, to, to Sean's point, the tone of it was very different for the first three quarters till they got to the end. And to me, the end was really, it was about the neighborhood. And I, I, I liked that ending. It was uplifting. Everyone came together. And I thought that was kind of a sweet ending. But, yeah, I, I liked it. I mean, it, like I said, it, I had never seen it before. Um, so, for me, I, I, I liked it. I, I, wasn't, I didn't think it was laugh out loud funny. Uh, but it did remind me of my what I did in high school, and to watch those guys make those movies the way they made them was pretty funny. So that's what I think about it. Well, and he was slipping in some digs against studios and copyright infringement. And well, yeah. Thorny Weaver comes in. Well, that's that line, I didn't know that was coming. That line she says coming. as they're as they're bulldozing all the movies, she goes, "Oh, and we're the bad guys, right?" Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he was definitely saying something. And yes, obviously, it's someone who adores movies. And uh, it, it just, and when you haven't even talked about what's her name Alma the character yeah. Alma yeah what an adorable like she was adorable. funny she was great I wasn't sure what she was going to do when she well when they first and, introduced her she yeah it was making those fun, funky faces it was like, weird oh, and then that whole her. mustache scene she yeah. did with oh, with yeah. Mustaf and these kids <laughs> yeah and you talk okay. So the end reminded me of that Italian one we did. What's that one? The, 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 Paradiso. Thank you. Were they all? join and watch the film because ultimately (laughs) i watched the director's cut right they did the same scene in the director ultimately they didn't save the the store well you don't know that well it's implied that they could have donated and even the guy who was going to take the money was out there smiling i thought mia farrow was going to write a check at the end and it turns out she's a zillionaire i think it's very clear here's the thing I, i it didn't save the store because that actually would be unrealistic right and that, that last shot, two, I guess it's the last two shots of the movie, there's that, um, there's that smile and shrug by Danny Glover, which is it's almost like, a, like your dad saying, like, well, you know, the kids are having a good time. They gave it and a shot. It pulls back and you see everybody united in yeah. joy. I mean, that scene where, that shot where they hear the people outside. Yeah, right. And then they walk outside and they see the neighborhood. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't look at that scene and say, oh, we're going to win. We're going to save the store. Because nobody saves the store. Everybody gets thrown out by gentrification. Everybody that's got money is going to win. That's the, that's the reality. That's what happens. And this story is about how you can still build a community together, which is why it was pretty resonant to me personally when we're so isolated we can't even go to a movie yeah. and like these faces are flickering in the dark and they're sharing something. And it was just, it was just this, this feeling of the, at the end of you could, you could work together, you could tell your own story, you could listen to it together. And that was just very sweet. And that's, that's very corny. That's very melodramatic. That's very cinema paradiso. Yeah. And, and I, I love it. Oh, and I was, I understand you watching this. I'm going, what are they, you know, where are they going with this stuff? And it just, it just, 
And I had the same, like, I didn't think most Steph had a, an issue. I just was like, oh, what's this? I don't know what he was doing with the character. And he kind of, kind of grew into it as the movie went on. And you realize that as Danny Glover, the, I forget his name, the character gave him the store oh, to Mr. take Fletcher. care of. Fletcher, Mr. Fletcher, you could see that his responsibility built up and he took on a different. I, it's funny. I had another, as I was watching this, I thought of do the right thing. Mm hmm. Which is the same thing about a neighborhood, except it ends completely, you know, with the yeah. riot at the end mm -hmm. and the all that. And that's that's a movie I thought of as much as I loved. Like I I didn't want to get chills when I saw all those people outside, and I did. I got it anyway. When you see them all out there, some of the people that were like the one woman who Jack Black gave a lot of crap in the in the thing, you know, when he was magnetizing all her movies every time she touched it, <laughs> and they're all cheering for them. It just it just got me. And I guess Sean, I'm a sucker. Because I, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't understand structure and anything, in a, you know, as a script goes. And it just got me. And I just, I love the quirkiness. And I thought Jack Black was, as always, fantastic. Well, and that Alma just, just, I was just, and that, you know, that thing she did where, where they have to sign up for the, uh, the yeah. membership. Yeah. And you have to tell oh, us your yeah. 10 favorite movies. Give us a birth certificate. And everybody's like, all right, I'll go home and get all that. Nobody questioned it. They just, it's not phone. my rules. I'm just, it's not my rules. It's so adorable. I was just like, that is so cool. And, uh, We're and still if you waiting ask, for some people's 10 list here. I know. And when they got the genre wrong, the genre wrong like well, when, the, when, he, when he called Andrew, the jerk you? a thriller, I see he mentioned the jerk. <laughs> And he got it wrong, and they said, "You got to go. You can't. You come back and back at the end of the line, and we'll try it again." <laughs> and he goes, "All right." <laughs> anyway, hey Drew, you made a good point when yeah. you said uh, Danny Glover was like a dad, mm -hmm. and that's to replace uh, Mr. Huxtable in our hearts, Danny I'll, I'll Glover. That. I'll and that that was the, like a relief. Yeah. One of the things this whole thing reminded me of is you've ever watched the Goldbergs? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but I interviewed Ring the Bell. I interviewed Adam Goldberg years. You don't listen. I ring the bell. Don't 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 direct me. Okay, but and I'll go. Also interviewed Beverly Goldberg. The real Beverly Goldberg. The real Beverly. Goldberg. Oh wow. Um, <laughs> it was a trip. But um, when I interviewed Adam Goldberg, he talked to me about how he had this idea. You know, he wanted to do a show about growing up in the 80s. And what made that show was the fact that he had all those videotapes, you know, that he had. And and if you watch it till the very end of a lot of the episodes, you'll see the real people the episodes were based on. You'll see actual things that they did in the show. Like he made a, a, a Transformers movie and he made his grandfather dress up in this thing he made out of cardboard, you know. And then you see at the very end where he had actually done something like that or different things like that. And that's where, I mean, obviously Jack's Black, Jack Black and, and most Def's characters are older doing this, but it just reminded me of, Hey kids, let's put on a show. Like Ralph said, you know, well, and it's how everybody got involved. Everybody his his, you know, Jack Black's partner, Wilson, I think was his name, who was the mechanic, the yeah. little kids that were in it. Mia Farrow, God, I mean, how it's just it's well, that I was just, one of the likable parts about it because you you know they start they started out because they were freaking out that they had no movies, <laughs> <laughs> so we got to make Let's we got to make, make Mia Farrow we're think this is what they go Well, she had never seen it to be <laughs> honest, so it could be anything. I like when they thought they didn't get beat up, and the guy goes, "Hey, this wasn't bad." <laughs> <laughs> Puts it on the counter. <laughs> They're all hiding. We could see you through the window. <laughs> so, well, there you go. I thought that was a good choice. Shall yeah. we rate? Oh, yeah. I mean. Let's start with Sean and Debbie. Let's get it out of the way. There we go. Yippee-ki-yay-no. Wow. Yippee-ki-yay. Wow. Okay. Brad and Wojo. Yippee-ki-yay. Yippee-ki-yay. John. Yippee-ki-yay. <laughs> Drew. Maybe smile. Yippee-ki-yay, of course. Yeah. I say yippee-ki-yay as well. Yeah. I thought it was cute. I mean, you know, it's not. Like you said, it's not Oscar worthy, but certainly made by people who love movies. That's it's for no sure. Porkies. I mean, let's I was, just go with that. I was originally, I was originally going to bring a different movie, which I'll bring later, which is all about the exploitation, rape, and genocide of Native American women in this country. <laughs> oh wow, that sounds. We'll do that on Easter. Drew, let me know when that one is so I can be away. We'll do that Easter week. That'll be Easter week. Um, 
Uh, and Sigourney Weaver, how does how has she become like the expert on like like any like if you watch Cabin in the Woods, she comes in at the end as the the main pro- protagonist. Um, I think the movie Paul about the aliens that uh, uh, Edgar Wright directed. I think she comes in in that one too. How has she become? It's amazing. She's always the expert at the end of these. She's the grand dame of science fiction. She I really is. That. She's she become. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So that was pretty cool. All right, nice job. Now, next week, a little special. We're going to do something a little different. We're going to bring our favorite quirky horror movie, or horror movie, I guess. I'm looking at these. They're all horror, right? Mostly. Uh, quirky. Not not first run, not not the typical Halloween or Exorcist, but something a little offbeat. We're each going to bring that. So I just need you guys to send me. You've given me the names. I just need, if you haven't given me names, I need them by Monday, okay? Is this po- are we bringing podcasts put us off YouTube into the podcast? Are we what? Show like five Two seconds, seconds of each one. Clip. <laughs> hey, you can show you can show a longer clip. You just have to have no audio. Yeah, if so we don't have any audio, we can do anything. You show something while we talk about it. Yeah, the analytics don't catch it if you don't. Why don't like, we? Why don't we dub in the audio? We'll do that. <laughs> you, want, you want to Swede? You want to Swede your movie? Yeah, we we'll Swede freeze up. We Actually, can Swede it up. Funny. <laughs> My movie is a Polish horror musical. So oh, that'd be uh, awesome, Drew. I want to hear you do that. Drew, I said quirky. I said quirky. <laughs> See what I can do. See what I can do. All right, well, that'll be next week. So that's our Halloween special. Can you believe we have an actual Why'd you do special? quote fingers? I don't, you know, oh, wait, you, you do this? Why you are you, you being an ass? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How's that? Good? Okay. That was a tick. A-hole. I hate that. So. Yeah, you can tell you guys Halloween. Are good brothers, what was that, Debbie? You can tell you guys are good brothers. Uh, we yeah. are good We're brothers. brothers. We're brothers. Yeah. <laughs> We're all brothers. Oh yeah. All right. So that'll be next next time on the old podcast. So everybody it's, have a good week. Don, Very exciting. And want to uh, tell people that they should do. Oh, thank you, Wojo. As always, and our audience is definitely expanding past 15 but anyway um please subscribe if you haven't already hit the notification button and share i I know people hear that all the time but it really does help so please please share it share it share it you have to seem to like it so share should i move that up to the front since i did it right at the end whatever ralph you're the director it's your podcast do what you want it's your podcast do whatever you want it is All right. All right, everybody have a good week. You have a good week. Safe week, and we'll see you next time. I'm going to hook up another camera. I think we all need more cameras.